What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of Vulnerability is the New Sexy. This episode was the first episode that I actually struggled to come up with a title for. What do you get when you combine the incredible passion and inspiration of a mother's love with the perseverance and strength of a black woman? This episode is what you get. And I don't I don't really want to overtalk it. I want you to be able to sit back and hear for yourself what overcoming adversity, what overcoming trauma, what does it look like? How do you deal? How do you heal? How do you cope? Uh, there's a lot of incredible things in this episode. I sat down with my friend of over two decades and uh she and I talked about some things that I knew about her, some things that I didn't know about her, uh, but uh, this is an incredible episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy creating it. Okay. Kiana, what's yeah. going on with you? Not much. Uh, I wanted to start by asking you, like kind of your origin story a little bit you know um i know you are uh, originally from new york right yeah well for the most part upstate you weren't born new there york. no no i was okay, born talk in to Guam. me then you go i was what? born in Guam. i did not know that yeah tell me how that happened was, my dad was in the navy okay my uh my my dad was nine i think he was 19 and um went to the navy followed behind his older two brothers because his older two brothers were navy men so i guess he felt like he was supposed to do that too which i don't really know because i never really had this conversation with him um but um him and my mom started dating when they were like 16 17 my dad was best friends with my uncle so of course my dad's coming around you know your mom's brother huh your mom's yeah. brother okay my mom's brother yeah, and my dad were best friends. So they're like childhood friends. My mom and them guys moved um, to New York from Chicago. My mom was born in Cook County. Oh, okay. So they they were leaving, my grandma was leaving an abusive relationship in Chicago and came to New York, upstate New York. And so that's where my mom went to high school and graduated. Not My dad was born and raised there, not my mom. So, so when your mom moved out there to New York and your mom's brother, your uncle, mm-hmm. uh, they linked up, your dad and your, and your uncle linked up and he came yeah, right to the house and said, that. who's that? Right. Well, my mom said they used to actually like, you know, be teasing her and stuff. You know, they were young, you know, mm-hmm. but then as they got older, you know, <laughs> but yeah, he went off to the Navy and my mom and dad were dating and they got married he pretty much was like you if you come if you marry me we can you can come with me and she just went and so that's how I was born in Guam so after that when he when he left the service we came back east um I remember vaguely being in Connecticut for a short time and then yeah New York upstate New York and Philadelphia and then Minnesota since I was 14. That don't I really feel like I'm from Minnesota though like, cause you know, when you're young, you don't really have, you have vague memories of like what it was like growing up there. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously I'm going to be more familiar with the Midwest than I am New York, yeah. you know, even though that's my roots, my dad's side of the family, a lot of them are still there. Okay. But you know, it would be more like, you know, a lot of things, just as anywhere else you leave for a couple of years, this looked totally different, Yeah. Facts. you know? So, but it's just, you know. But Minnesota, I feel like I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And when did you, you know, get there? That's where all my life experiences were. <laughs> so tell me again when you got to Minneapolis? 14, freshman year. Get out of here. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. You was fresh out of, oh, that's crazy. Fresh. I never knew that. I yes. never knew that. So how was that? Fresh. I mean, that's that's a big difference. It was. For somebody but at you that know, time. I think it was, I felt like it was natural because I, I bumped around to schools my whole life. Like I never, that's why I said, I feel like I'm from Minnesota. Cause like 
that was the one period of time where I was in one place that long. It was like, I did all my years at South, all yeah. my college in Minneapolis, like right. my whole young life from hell, I would say probably seven years old that I can remember when, you know, when you start remembering what schools you were at, I feel like, right. well, yeah. I don't remember kindergarten now. I, I don't remember kindergarten. No, you're right. But I remember like, you know, when I started getting about to be like seven, when my parents separated, that's when I can remember being at this school, this school, this school, you know, I was always around. Right. Yeah. So, so what, what I can remember from um, that time is if I if I'm thinking about my first kind of impression, so you like alive on arrival. When I say that, I mean it's hard not to notice you in the room. Even back then, it was hard to notice. It was hard not to notice that you was in the room. Really? Um, I mean, that's just I. I feel like that's just you know you, you know uh, you you was kind of charismatic even as a young person. Like people knew you was around. You was not afraid to be loud. That's the one, that's the girl I remember. You know what I mean? That's the girl I remember. I mean, tell me, you think I'm wrong? Or that's the girl I remember. No, I'm listening. It's good to oh, listen to like, yeah. you know, I, I'm listening to the observation. Like when, you know, when you're that age, you have your own idea of what that was like or yeah. what you thought you were like, you know? Right. So it's interesting to hear, you know, what people's point of view are. That's interesting. No, I felt, it felt, I felt, you know what I'm saying? You got good, you got, you had live energy, this is what I remember if I'm just going off my, my, my <laughs> thought right now. I'm not, if I'm not making nothing up or trying to dig into something that I can't really remember. Right. I, you had live energy and you was very confident. I mean, that's how it seemed. You know what I mean? Like, you know, teenagers got all they got, the, all got their own insecurities. But mm-hmm. I mean, you, you come into a whole new city and you're going straight into high school. Like, what is, what was that like? You know, it wasn't, was you scared or why was it, how'd it go? Mm-hmm. Gosh. I just kind of remember feeling alone, like, even though, you know, like, I remember freshman year, I would go home at lunch, because I was scared to, like, you know, it just seemed like everybody hella knew each other, mm-hmm. like, as I came in, it was like, immediately, I saw the groups of people that I could tell knew each other, mm-hmm. because they were in packs, yeah. just like I was in packs when I was, you know, coming from home, I was going to school. I was finally gonna be at school, high school with my cousins. Like before my cousins were at a school like in the city and I was going to school like up on the hill in the country. Mm-hmm. Because at that time I was living with my um my dad's sister, my aunt Renee in New York, my mom upstate New York, and um my mom was in Philly. She, you know, was in the streets doing her, you know, so I wind up being my my middle school right before high school. I wasn't even with my mom. I was with my aunt. So finished eighth grade, did a whole graduation, prom, all of that with them, with my cousins and all, thinking we often and now be in one school, cheerleading mm-hmm. all of that. We had cheerleaders at the community centers. You know, we made teams when I was living there. We right. we did parades, <laughs> all kinds right. of stuff. So I was excited to finally be with them. And then when it was time for me to come here, I was excited because a lot of my mom's side of family started coming to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So I had my closest aunt Pam was in Minnesota and my cousins that are super, my first cousins that I'm close to are here, but they're older than me. So it was like, I had that outside of high school, but in high school, it was like, it was super foreign to me. Like people were just, you know, had their, their crews and all of that. Right. So for, for me, it was like the only way I knew how, and my mom from moving from school to school to school, the best way you get to know people is being involved in the activities. Like I said, when we was, we made, we at the community centers and all of that, we made stuff to do you know, to keep you busy. My mom kept me and stuff. I always did ballet, jazz, whatever, you know, cheer at the school. So I think that's probably, I did what I knew. Like, well, I'm finna go, I'm finna go get on the cheerleading team, you know? Right. So I can, I mean, and even in that, I never felt like close to people like that. Like looking back like that, it was like, I was cool with them. I liked them a lot. But as far as like that close, close relationships that I think a lot of um, our group had, I didn't mm-hmm. have that. 
Right. I didn't have that. So That's what that I was, was saying. more. You was yeah, live. That you was, was yeah. Stuff, you, you was know. live on arrival. I mean, but even still now, if somebody was to, if somebody observes you now, like you really, you know, you keep it family for the most part. Yeah. Um, but then, like, you was cool with everybody. Stuff. I mean, you was you yeah. was okay to going here, 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 and here. But mm-hmm. I never felt like you had like a you know you know it was real you know that time everybody was real clicky or whatever. But you was cool here, 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 but never really here. You know what I mean? When you, how was, what was high school like for you? I'm curious, I'm curious to somebody who was there and I watched it. I watched some of it anyway. And I do yeah. really want to know, how, what was it like for you? I feel like, I mean, looking back at high school, like I said, I felt a lot by myself. I mean, I found ways to enjoy myself, but it you never, sure did. Fully, yeah, but it never fully felt like, you know, that warmth that you feel with the people that are you're having those experiences with, you know, really? like like I said, it still was clicky. Like I feel like I was able to blend in in whatever crew, but I was never anybody's like kind of crew like that. Yeah, I you look know, at I look I at like I look I at you now, like, huh? and I'm like I look at you now, and it seems like even from people that went to high school with you, like you just get a lot of love from people. And this is before anything, any any tragic events. People just give you love. But I remember in high school, it never felt like anybody was was like giving you that love. Like I just kind of remember feeling that way, mm-hmm. you know. Am I, am I my tripping or is it? Am I, is no, it? that's what I'm saying. I felt mm-hmm. alone. Like yeah. I was cool with people, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like maybe I got, I don't know, like as you, as you get to be an adult, you know what a real uh, unilateral relationship is. It feels like, Thanks. I feel like in a way in high school, I just was there. I was just existing. I found ways to enjoy myself, but did I have those, like bond bonds with people like that? No, I didn't. Yeah. And no, that was always, I always had that with my family. Like I had right. homegirls, don't get me wrong. I, I had homegirls that we was like riding, riding for. But now today, would I consider them riders for me? No. Right. But life and experiences, you know, that's, that's something you figure, you figure that out. You were a team mother. Yeah. How was that? I mean, tell me how, like, when you found out that you were about to be somebody's mother. Talk to me about the experience of just finding, oh, I'm pregnant. What am I going to do? What, what was, what, how did you process all of that? I don't feel like I panicked. I just felt like I was going to take care of my son. Mm-hmm. Right I off mean, that. it was never even a, a question what, like, was, was we going to be good? I never thought, like, oh, my God, like, I just was like, hell, I'm going to be my mama. And I took care of him and we grew up together. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I can't remember, you were like, junior or senior when he was born? Senior. You were senior. Mm-hmm. He was well, born in August. We okay. started school in September. Okay. <laughs> senior so y'all, year. Y'all started senior year together. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's that like? What, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I never went through that. So I'm trying to, what is that like being a senior in high school and then you have a whole person you're responsible for? Like, I mean, you're still, well, I mean, August, you were 18. So, uh, right? You were, by August, you were 18. I was 17 when Ma was born. Oh, that's right. That's right. Before the school, you, you were 18 mm-hmm. before the year was up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you 17 years old. I mean, you're still 17 years old. And you know, you're somebody's mother and you still, you know what I'm saying? You still, it's your senior year. I mean, how are you balancing, you know, being responsible for a whole human and, still being 17 you know I just did like I first of all I felt like a lot of people shun you and try to doubt you mm-hmm. and tell you what you're gonna do and what you're gonna be now and you know the statistical welfare queen you know type you know and you saw that you felt people judging you like that at that, yeah. age, at that time okay oh yeah and then I always had my brother with me you remember I used yeah. to have my brother with me all the time. Yeah. So they was looking at me like, oh, she's going to have another one. Because, you know, I always have my brother. So they looking right. at him like probably my kid, too. Right. But I mean, for me, I always was like my mom. I was always super independent and I always had like my own things and money. So it maybe wasn't a whole lot, but I felt like I always had things. And my mom gave me a skill of like being able to uh figure things out Mm -hmm. 
Like that was one of the biggest things that my mom taught me is like being self-sufficient. So to me, it was just like, okay, now I got to figure this out. Now I got to, you know, I just set goals. Like they may not have been major ones. 17, you're doing this. I mean, hell yeah. What goals are you setting? Huh? What goals did you set at seven? I, I, this, I, I never knew this about you. Like, what, what goals oh, were you set at 17? You remember Patty. Yes, I do. Blado. Responsible so for me going talked, to school. I didn't trust her at, at first. I thought she talked me to me. Me neither. Much. Me neither. So I, I, and I told her flat out because she came in there talking about her family and telling all her family business. And I was just like, do your family know you telling all that stuff? Like, that, <laughs> you know. And I just, I was like, uh-uh, she'll tell anybody's business. Like, I was like, I ain't talking to her as like, that was my impression. Right. But when I got to know her, you know, we talked and she just was telling me like the best advice ever. Like, you want to pick something that you, you can do this forever and it's never going to change and nobody can replace you. And at first I thought I wanted to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. But then I thought time-wise, that's going to take too long. Like, mm, mm-hmm. seven years. I'm thinking, and then and then we started talking about healthcare, and then I was like, I think I could, you know, be a nurse. I never had even considered that or or thought about that, but when we started looking up, like you know, statistically, how you know the career path and how you can have a super stable, dependable job that you can continue to increase and move around for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. I was like, no brain, no brainer. Like I was in senior year, I had three classes. So I was out of school at 10, 15. I went to work. I worked at Ticketmaster. I worked at Dayton's. And um, if I wasn't at work, I went to school. I got accepted to St. Kate's. That was my first school I uh, applied to and got accepted. Patty helped me get all the, you know, financial stuff in order. And hell, I hit the ball. I hit the ground running. Like that's what I did. It's crazy how things, I mean, in today's world, you know, I mean, at that time, there was no social media. So there was, nobody was like tracking you and, you know, nobody knew how you were moving. And so I'm thinking about like I was right there and I was at St. Thomas and I had no idea that you was at St. Kate's. St. Kate's, yes. Yeah, me and know Ahmaud, yeah, me and Ahmad got our um, first apartment in Brooklyn Park. So you had um, an apartment. Yeah, when I turned 18, I moved out from my mom's house and we, me and Amal got our first one-bedroom apartment. I used to work after graduation from high school. I worked uh, and went to school. So class was, was uh, 7 a.m. to 3, and then I worked 3 to 9. So I would have to leave school at like 2.30 and race my ass to Bloomington to work mm-hmm. and then pick my baby up. I w- would probably reach to him to about 9, 30, 10. And we did this for years. This is 18. You know, you started out at 18 doing this. 18. I went right to school. Mm-hmm. When we graduated uh, August, at the end of August, I was at school, St. Kate's, Minneapolis campus. So pause for a second. You said that you got you moved out at 18. Your birthday's in February. So you're mm-hmm. telling me that y'all was in an apartment while you were still at South? No, no, no. No, after we graduated. Okay, all right. 18. Yeah, after we graduated. Okay, I was about so to like, say, I, I thought I was dealing with that unique experience, but okay. So you, nope, okay. nope, nope. Right after we graduated. Me your apartment, and your apartment was, is in Bloom, was in Bloomington? No, no, no. I worked in Bloomington. What was My apartment, apartment was in Brooklyn Park. Well, okay. it was called Garden Gates off of Douglas, uh, next to Huntington Place. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. an apartment. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's where we was at. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here you are, you know what I'm saying, you in school, you working, you, you got your son, and you just living life. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, but you are going through school. You, you know, you did it. I mean, you, you accomplished what you want to accomplish. You said you set these goals and, um, and now, you know, I'm just going to fast forward to um, what is like, like now for you and your son, like what kind of things are y'all getting into? Like, what are y'all, what is it like as you going through this whole process? Cause I mean, college is not, it's not easy as enough as it is. You know, mm-hmm. and then having to support yourself. This is something I know some about because I had on my apartment at that time too. But I didn't have no child. I have a child now, and I can't imagine. You know, yeah. But you just routine or what? It was. It, did you ever have nights where I'm like, man, this is this is this is too much? Hell yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. 
but I mean, at the end of the day, it was like, if I didn't do what I needed to do for my, for my kids, you know, I didn't feel like I was in a position that somebody was going to do it for me. And I wasn't going to let him be with somebody else, like outside of when I, you know, was at school work or if I was kicking it or something like that. But no, my, you know, my kids were with me. Yeah. We, we literally grew up together. Like, you know, I was learning and they were learning and, you know, that's what it was. How far apart is Maddie and um, I'm not sure. I know Naja's youngest um, is Erica. Erica, yeah. How far apart are Maddie and Erica? Like three years. Oh, yep, so you had her before you got out, of, got out of St. Case then? Yep. Yep. It was like, right. I, I wound up being put on bed rest and um, having like almost, it wasn't even a full year. But you know how like some, you know, I had to wait until yeah. school started again. So. During that time, I just worked and went right back at it. So I was actually supposed to graduate a year earlier. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I know when you, when I, when I, all the adversities that I went through, when I would finally walked across that stage, it took me a little longer than everybody else. You seemed to like plow right through it almost, you know, and you had two kids. I didn't have no kids. I didn't graduate till I was like 26. But, um, what what is the feeling like what sense i mean i can't imagine that sense of accomplishment like dang i did this with two kids and i just you know, yeah i'm you know, still proud like... of my i'm still proud of my, kids, <laughs> my language like i'm still proud this month i want to thank 18, me <laughs> listen this 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 month it will make 18 years it's the best decision i've have made for my life you know what i'm saying like as far as the choices i've made that is one of the things i'm most proud of you know, becoming because a nurse. Was, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that. Like I'm content. Like every day I wake up, I'm just content that I chose that. Like there hasn't been very many times or days that I felt like, why the fuck? You know, like I love it every day. It's interesting. I love, I feel like it's my gift every day that I can give. Mm-hmm. If you, I don't know what you practice or what you believe, but, um, when I learned what the spiritual gifts were that are in the Bible, I didn't know I had them. And then when I learned what they were, to me, it just became more of like a, a gift that I can give every day, like my way to serve, you know. So and, see, it's more it's more about it's more about purpose for you than anything. Yeah. And so, you know, I have times where I get restless and I feel like I got to do more than this. I got to. But at the same time, I like my job. Mm hmm. I like what I do. I like helping people. I feel like it's like what is in my heart. Like even when people get on my goddamn nerves, I still know that God's watching me. And secondly, if it was my somebody, how I want them to be treated and taken care of. Right. You know, so that's what I feel like I'm able to do every day. And that's what it's inspiring. Because you're uh, you work in oncology, right? Mm-hmm. I remember a few few years back. I remember you having really. Uh, I don't know if it was a rough day or just a rough period, uh, because I mean, your, your, all your patients don't make it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was wondering how you how you take care of yourself being around that type of stuff. Um. Well, I work in a clinic now, okay. so I don't have to experience the death and dying when I work the in the hospital. Huh? Just treatment. Yeah, I work. At, I'm a chemo nurse, so okay. I, I do the treatments. Okay, you know, labs, the blood work, the mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff, the whatever. But um, inpatient when I worked in the hospital, that excuse me earlier on that was very hard and it was emotional because like you know you as you know when you work in an office or anywhere that's your second family whether you like the motherfuckers or not like mm-hmm. that's your second that's really the the people that get a majority of your undivided attention. Mm-hmm. They sometimes get more of your attention and time than your family. Right. And by the time you get home, you, you, you spent, you don't really want to, you might want some quiet time. You don't, you know, right. They're getting your, they're getting the best sometimes to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, my profession. Cause you yeah. gotta, you, you know, whether you want to or not, you have to, you know, be work super closely together. Right. So, um, yeah, I it's it's that deal to me. And 
I'm, 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 last time I asked you about nursing is, you know, when, when the pandemic started hitting and everybody started getting, you know, and that profession started getting overrun, does that affect you? And because, you know, you're an oncologist, but does you still feel like everybody else in the medical profession or was it? No, because I'm not, I'm not inpatient. Right. I'm just in the clinic for a couple hours and I go home. Okay. I don't work no weekends, no holidays. So I got it pretty cush. But yeah. it's also, I, I put in hell of years before I got those kind of hours. Oh, yeah. You know, you did work in the hospital, pay, right? Huh? At one point, you worked in the hospital, right? Yeah, I did. I did seven and a half years in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. And, or actually, probably more than that. Like, like, let me see. I would say, I would say closer to half of my career was in the hospital. Right. And then the other part has been in the infusion, infusion centers. Um, you had a, you've had a rough last couple of years and I want to, you know, let you talk about it because it could be somebody out there that's newly, uh, dealing with some of the things that you've dealt with or, you know, or not new or still been dealing with for a while and just, you know, need to hear somebody that, that I can relate to, you know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, you lost your son, you lost your son and you still, obviously struggle with that because it's really not even that it's still kind of fresh and for us you know just on I'm just going to say this us on the outside looking in especially those that you know went to high school with you and was there like I can go through my picture boxes right now and find his baby picture like we was there you know and I'm not saying at all that we feel it like you feel it but it it did feel some kind of way you know to see him you know because it's like dang I was there in the beginning of his life and I, I damn sure didn't want to be here to see the end of it. Um, talk to us about the day, if you if you feel comfortable, the day you found out or the day that it happened, what you went through. Um, well, I was at work, and I had actually um, got saw when I got to work, I saw a missed call, and it was like. It was dumb early in the morning and I didn't think nothing of it. Telling her, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. I didn't recognize the number. It was, it didn't really even cross my mind that something was going on. But then I kept getting, I'm sitting at work. This is pandemic. This is like, bam, May, when everything really started shut, shutting down. Huh? 2020? No, one. 2021? Right. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, wait, let me see. Or was it 20? I lose track of the years. So it, now we in 22. I'm tripping like, what's that 20? Yeah, 20. Yep, 20. I'm tripping. That's what I thought. So, what yeah. I thought. Okay. yeah. So right when everything was shutting down and everything, and I was at work and they, uh, I, I kept getting these missed calls and I didn't recognize that one either. Again, telemarketers like, who the hell, you know, They'll call you back to back. So I finally just answered it. And it was a, a sheriff for um, the city I was living in at the time. And I'm like, first I'm thinking he got in trouble or did some shit, you know, because mm-hmm. he was going through his own stuff at the time. And they were just like telling me, um, I just remember them saying like, you need to hurry up and get here. Like, you, you know, there's been an accident, wham, you know, so I, you know, he pretty much on the phone was like, it was bad. Um, and so I just remember like grabbing my bag and like, like running out the door and I must've like yelled or something. Cause my, everybody like comes to the hallway and my manager saw me and he like got his, he got his truck and drove me to the hospital. And I just remember just like, it just seemed like it took a, you know, a while to get there. And in my mind, I was mentally preparing, like, I don't even remember exactly what he said on the phone, but it pretty much was like, he wasn't going to make it. So in my mind, I already knew on my way there, you know, that, you know, I was praying that they were wrong, but I mean, he, he pretty much told me on the phone that I, you know, quickly get there, you know, that they were hanging on to him. And so I was trying to reach my husband at the time and I was just calling anybody because I was so scared. I was car accident. My first mind was like, oh my God, I cannot see my son like this. Like I was terrified. 
I didn't know what I was going to see and I didn't want to see it by myself. And so um, when I got there, I was waiting for him to get, you know, somebody to get there to be there with me. Mm -hmm. And they pretty much, the nurses, as soon as I got there, um, you know, this pandemic, they got everything blocked off and you got to go. Somebody was down there waiting for me to bring me up. So I knew it was, I was like, oh, I, it even made me even more scared, you know, because again, I'm by myself. So I got up there and they was like, you know, immediately kind of like all came over, like, we need you to make choices and this and that. And I'm like, hold on. Like, you know, I, I didn't even want to go in there and see what was what, because I was scared. You know, I, it was like, mm -hmm. you go into the ICU and it's like a big circle and I, and it's glass. And I thank God they had the curtains pulled. Cause I was like, Whoa, I need a second. Like, and they were like, no, no, no. I promise you. Like, he does not look like, you know, mm -hmm. but we were hanging on to him and uh, the accident happened at this time. And he's been hanging on for, by then it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. So apparently whenever the accident happened and they airlifted him, um, they had just been hanging on to him and trying to find his next kin because all he had was his passport. Uh, he didn't have his ID. Mm -hmm. And they found me on Facebook. And then Facebook found, you know, they just found me. Right. So, I mean, I pretty much was just trying to grapple with the reality, like, you know, right then in an hour's time that this is what was happening. And so I just, I don't know, like, in a, it's, it's a weird out of body it felt out of body mm -hmm. like I knew it was happening like but it just felt like is this really happening you know right. it just was like an adrenaline rush and obviously I'm a nurse so I know you know I know what they're saying but at the same time I, I had to see you know see them for myself and so yeah that's that's what my experience was like finding out you um do you remember your last conversation with him Yes, Mother's Day. So he passed May 13th and uh, what was Mother's Day, May 10th? Uh, I think it's, I thought it was, yeah, I don't know. The t I think it was like the 10th because mm -hmm. he passed on a Wednesday, I believe. So I had talked to him that Sunday um, and we were FaceTiming and actually he was trying to get to my house and he was like, I was trying to get over there to see you and like looking back on it I wish I would have been like well, where are you I'll come get you but I was like braiding my hair and you know just facetiming and you know we're just chilling like you know pandemic you ain't doing nothing mm -hmm. so um we just facetimed and it was just so weird because I wish I would have got to have this conversation with him that I had it was like probably April the the, the April prior and I was telling um my therapist as well as um Keisha my best friend that I really wanted to have a conversation with him about my view on where I feel as a parent in my opinion to him mm. like I really wanted to talk to him about some things that I felt like I should have done better in a you know as a mom you know because he was going through a lot um you know emotionally and you know just you know looking back on it I wish I would have been able to have that conversation but um yeah he was just kind of sharing with me you know how he was feeling at that time and where he was at what he was doing he was sad like he was sad since my mom passed and that's when he started like you know kind of making some choices and and which was really you know, not that not that not that no three years yeah okay Mm hmm. Yeah. So he, he really, he really, really, really struggled with that, like big time because he found her. He was the one who found her. So, you know, I was trying okay. to get him help. I was trying you to get him found help. Her. He found her. She, my mom overdosed. Oh, oh, he found her overdose. Okay. I thought you meant yeah. she was lost or something. Oh, he was the one that he, he okay. found her when she passed. Oh, so, yeah. So, he, was, yeah. So I was working on getting him help you know he had mm -hmm. had a session or two with a therapist but he wasn't living with me he was out in this you know just wherever his friends was at mm -hmm. I live in I lived at, in Lionel Lakes at the time he didn't want to be all the way out there mm -hmm. plus he didn't want to live by my rules he moved out he left my house when he was 18 because mm -hmm. I told him like when you turn 18 go wherever you want to go mm -hmm. you graduated like you want to you know you know 
typical right. teenage boy stuff, rebellious, and you know, got to the point where he was like getting loud and disrespectful to me. So at the time, it was like, go see what it's like out there. You know, this is always your home. He always, you know, when he wanted to wash with Dove soap or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, wash his clothes. The good life. The good life. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I was the state, you know, the station, but he yeah. spent most of his times out with his friends. When you when you say, it's, a, it's somebody out there right now, a mom uh, who has her kids and she's listening to you talk about all these things that you did as a young person to build a life for your children. And then you turn around and say, I could have done better. Uh, that kind of struggle that, that that mothers have, especially singles mothers have, um, with always, I, I feel that a lot. Like, I, I hear that a lot. A lot of single mothers always talking about what they could have done better. Do you feel comfortable saying, like, what that conversation you wanted to have with them was? Well, yeah, I just, I I wanted to just say, like, I mean, I've I've, I've done some work you know, like with therapists and stuff like that. So I do know that like, I did the best I could with the tools I had at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm at peace with what I should have did. Like, cause it really hurt, you know, cause I think every parent wants to do the best for their child or, you know, right. but I had to learn and come to grasp with like, look where my parents struggled with them in their life. And, you know, I did what I knew and learned better later. But being that he's still a product of that, I wanted to just tell him that I was sorry for him being without his father. I was sorry for, you know, I went from him to having another child and then a third, like how that was for him. None of those men were ever a father for him. Mm -hmm you know, and he never had a father figure. Right. It was just kind of like, you know, when you look back at it, when you're more mature and you can think or, you know, work on having the mindset of like, you know, looking at yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, had I to do it again? No, like that's not stable for a child. Like I went from this relationship that it wasn't stable for me. Like, I had to realize what I was searching for and what I was looking for, what I was lacking that led me into that. Well, now I know, but I'm just saying at the time I didn't. And I just was, you know, doing what I thought I should and it affect my kids. Mm -hmm. And you, you giving yourself some of that blame and it sounds like now you've given yourself some grace. Well, I don't have a choice because there's nothing I can do about it now. You know, but I wish I would have been able to have that conversation with my son. Yeah. Because I don't know if that could have helped heal him somewhere. Yeah. You know, if he was holding on to, I mean, everybody that I know that knows him says he always bragged about me. Like he, you know, I find a little comfort in that, that he, he didn't feel any ill or feel deep down. Like I chose something over him or, or I didn't do enough. I wasn't enough or present enough because I was still raising two girls as well Erica Mm -hmm. had a baby like I just wish I would have been able to um appropriate more of my energy and time on him when you um lose a child and you have other children what does that do to the bond for your two girls uh from your perspective we always been tight though yeah, I know that. But now, but now that they are older, I feel like we're closer. Right. You know, we're closer now. We'll get on each other goddamn nerves and be like, "Okay, take your ass on now." Like, you know, <laughs> right? Or they tell me too, like, "Oh, your energy is like, you know, like we're, yeah. we're, you know, very close in that way. Like, you know, we like being on top of each other, but at the same time, don't touch me." Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. That's kind of how our relationship is. Like, and I feel like, um, nay, don't do feelings. Okay. She don't, she don't do feelings. Do you she like that about her? About, hmm? Do you like that about her? Well, it's not necessarily a like, it's her personality. That's who she is. She's an introvert. Mm-hmm. Now, every now and then she'll be a chatterbox and, you know, share something, but she's not going to go too deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? 
when um when you lose when you when you lose your son they also lose their older brother right mm -hmm. so you are in a position where you have to still be their mother and grieve your son mm -hmm. you talk about the challenges of that um man uh i feel like i probably did like i didn't i didn't grieve i couldn't grieve like it was like my mom and i hadn't really fully got through that yeah. because it was like my mom passed and i had to um kind of like i don't want to say step in her shoes but then i became the the matriarch of our little family hmm. you know like my mom was the go-to like right. if you needed something or something happened she was the one and mm -hmm. then so it immediately came that i had to be the one and then my brother was living with my mom at the time. So I had to figure out his living arrangement, bury my mom. When I buried her, she wanted to be cremated, you know, arrange a service, you know, like all of that, that people have to do when someone passes. But I had yeah. to do it. It was, you know, my family on my mom's side helped a lot as far as like making sure the obituaries were done and there was food and there was like, you know, stuff like that. Right. But the business of it, I had to do that. So, um, then, you know, leading up to um, my my son, it was like the same thing. I had mm -hmm. to take care of all the business. I had to, you know, get an attorney. I had to deal with all that on top of still work and, you know, make, run a household and all that kind of stuff. So um, my grieving was like, um, I don't know how to, I didn't get to really. Yeah. You still feel like you, you know, haven't gotten to? Mm, now, now, now I suppress. Mm. Now mm. it's like a place where I just put, because I lost my therapist. So it was like before I had that outlet where at least once a week, I could at least like, if it wasn't nobody else that I felt, I could at least bawl, ugly cry on the phone to, you know, during our, because we were pandemic, so we were doing virtual. Yeah. Um that was the only place where I felt like I could really like, you know, express even for an hour was never long enough. No, it's so, not. and no. And then he got sick and um, then we, you know, I just didn't have my, so now it's just like, I, um, I hold on to what I learned when we were having our sessions, but no, because it's like, I don't have um, besides church, but that's, that's, um more of a spiritual support you still need to be able to talk and get it out and so now i don't i don't and i don't try to go there i'll feel i feel it all the time mm -hmm. but you know that's never something that leaves my mind did you but did you, i don't go ahead i'm sorry go ahead I you no i was just saying i don't have an outlet to uh you know unload so now I'm just like in a place where I just suppress because I have to survive. I can't fall apart. Did did you identify that you were suppressing or somebody had to tell you that? No, I know I am. I know me. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've, I know I'm in tune with myself. Like I know me. How long so did it take I, you? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no, I was just saying, I was just going to say, I know what I have to do to uh, function, you mm -hmm. know? Okay. How long did it take you after you lost your son to you to, you know, because some people don't submit to therapy, you know? I, I had a therapist before. Oh, okay. You was already working on some stuff? I was already with my therapist. The for same like, person? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would say maybe it had been a year, if, if not over. So you already working through some stuff? Mm-hmm. And is this where you kind of started identifying some of the things that you wanted to share with Madi? Uh, yeah, because it was before actually I had gotten married. So it started off as premarital counseling. Oh, oh okay. So, you know, we had gone, met him together. And then when he stopped wanting to go, I felt like I was getting so much out of it that I continued myself. Okay. And so even before Ahmad passed away and right when the pandemic was like, right a couple months before, I, I told him and a friend, it, I would say it was like the, it was, I know it was winter. I just felt like it, something was happening. Like it just felt like a big shift was on the way. And I remember telling my therapist, like, 
my spirit was turning. That's the best way I can say it. Like my spirit was turning. I felt like I was just preparing for something. Yeah. And ultimately I was, but I think having a therapist at that time, like gave me a lot of tools and resources on how to like, you know, talk myself through things when I feel overwhelmed. It helped me deal with anxiety a lot. It helped me make a lot of life choices. So I still hang on to those lessons. Yeah. Um, but I do know, like, you know, I do know I still have some healing that I need to do, you know. I wanna I wanna check on you for a sec, because I can see you know, my therapy experiences, I can see your leg shaking now, is your anxiety kicking in. Are you good or well, yeah, I'm good, but yeah, that's, that is definitely, it's just like, I don't mean, I, I think it's, again, it's that suppression thing, like, yeah. that I'm able to, I'm aware of it, how it makes me feel, Yeah. but at the same time, I've gotten to the place where I feel like I'm strong enough to not let it overtake me. Yeah, we deal, you know? we deal with so much stuff and so many traumas, and we just go through our lives thinking this stuff is normal. And then you start getting into therapy and you start identifying that none of this was really normal. At all. All, all this stuff was traumatic. And I, guys, I'm saying this because you said an hour is not long enough. And when you are really fishing and swimming through all of that uh, untreated trauma, an hour is not long enough. But I will say At this for all. you. You lost your therapist, but I'll say this for you. Uh, when you start getting closer and closer to the healing, the hour becomes enough. It becomes enough. But mm. it, it takes a minute. It takes a long, you got to do the work. A lot of people won't. Well, I was like, we were really in, in like we, my therapist, we had worksheets. We had like, he was dope. Like he did not play no games. Like when I first got like, you know, when I first met him, I was like, who is this nigga? Like, (laughs) you know, at the same time, it was like also cool because I wanted to have a black man. There was a black man. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Shout out to the black therapists out there. Yes. Oh, Jason was just like, yeah. and I still think about him. Like I said, he, he, the things that I learned and the coping mechanisms maybe is healing. I, yeah. I don't, I mean, it's like, I feel, I feel like I've healed a lot, but still have a lot of healing to do because I've, I'm had, saying. New, I've yeah. had new traumas after that. Right. Right. So it's like, I feel like I, I've, I've, I've gotten, you know, to the point where I've mastered being able to function, <laughs> you know, and still find enjoyment and right. stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I didn't. I was trying to imply that you haven't doing you haven't been doing the work. I was saying in general, the people out there who are uh, uh, finding their way through therapy, uh, it, it'd be like that in the beginning, you know. Um, and when new traumas happen, it goes right back to it. Mm-hmm. We're just saying long enough you know um but you you the learning you know the 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 ability to put yourself into a healing space i always say for me um you know with therapy i had to learn the best the biggest thing i learned when i was going through therapy for the first time was i'm trying not to live in the past and i'm not trying to be afraid of the future so i'm always trying to anchor myself in the moment so when i feel my anxiety kicking in I try to think about where I am right now because mm-hmm. anxiety anxiety for people that don't know is really just an irrational fear of the future. You're afraid of something that hasn't really happened, mm-hmm. you know? So if you can figure out how to anchor yourself in the present, you can do it. But I know for me, my therapist is so important to my well-being. And for you to say, I'm losing my therapist or I lost my therapist. Um, that's scary because you're going through a lot. So I'm wondering, you know, what are you, what, what are you thinking about as far as continuing your healing journey or what are you planning on doing? Well, see, it's like, ugh, who wants to start off? You know, like it's for tough. me, it's like, I yeah. was so deep in, like, yeah, it, it almost makes me feel like I'm not going to start all that over again. Right. Like, cause even when you start asking, I was like, Oh Lord, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to do that again. Like we had got so deep. 
yeah. to where like I didn't care how I looked on the phone like I could cry I could whatever yeah. like because I could you know he was yeah. just very instrumental in helping me just really dig deep right. so for me it's like almost huh like um almost like a family member yeah. like you know so to me it was almost like another loss because that's how that's how close I felt to the process. Yeah. You know, so to, no, to, to try and I did. I talked to a person one time and then um our schedules wouldn't work. She didn't do weekends. You know, so it's just really I have a list because I have a black doctor. She's an African woman and she gave me a nice list of people because I was straight up with her. I need a black person flat out. Mm -hmm. And I prefer a male. And so um, she did give me a list and I kind of started looking at it and like looking online and seeing what their bio say and stuff like that. But I haven't gotten to the place where I'm just like wanting to really, you know, yeah. put my, you know, effort into it. So right now I just, I just try to work out. I try to just, you know, cool. have control of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, you know, cool. that's one thing my therapist taught me. I have control over my thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if I get to a place where I'm like in a period where I'm like, oh, you know, I know right then, like, okay, do you have yeah. to think about that? Or can you choose to think about something else? Facts. You really have to do that. Yeah. Really and do that, I yeah. literally do that. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say about the suppressing. Yeah. Because I know, I know, you know, my mind can go all day. Yeah. You know, but I, I, you know, just try to practice that a lot, mm -hmm. whether it's like, okay, what do you smell? What do you like? I got all kinds of techniques. Yeah. To, like yeah. when I'm thinking something to just like, take me like, oh, how many times did you just breathe in 60 seconds? Like, you know, just immediately, like he's taught me some things. Anchor yourself in the present. Kind of like what I'm saying. Basically. Yeah. You, you or, but right. it, it's, yeah, it's it, but it's almost like uh, grounding yourself in motion. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, so that's that's kind of what I you know, and I'm good at tuning some shit out though. I'll tune you out at work, act like I don't know you or see you. Like that's another <laughs> like. I'm good at that too. So mm -hmm. I just I just learn you know some mechanisms, and I just try to keep my energy around me, like super peaceful and quiet. Like that's I know that's what I do have to have in me. My home life has to be like, I cannot deal with my mental stuff and then not have peace at home. Yeah. Like peace. I cannot. So okay. as long as I have, you know, I just have established my boundaries for myself and, you know, I've been, I've been doing better. That's good. Can I say like two things to encourage you though? Is mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. um, I really hope that when you do, um, find somebody else if you find somebody else that you allow yourself to you know start where you are and not where you were because I know that starting over that sounds scary to me you know I, when you said that I started thinking about you know what would I do if my therapist wasn't available anymore and I'm like I wouldn't want to just I would feel like I was starting over so I'm just saying it to say whoever's listening and and, and, and has that transition uh, and even now shh, I'm on break from doing seeing clients and like I you know and they are still like like some, some of them can't function without having a conversation with you you know hello I had to learn so, that yeah yeah and uh, I felt like I literally went into like I panicked yeah when I found out I was like <gasps> like I said it was like a death it yeah. felt like and I literally had to like don't be selfish now this man is fighting cancer like you know tough right yeah, yeah and oddly enough that's what I do so I was just like I totally you know I I still yeah. I pray for him all the time his family because that's just like he was very instrumental in a lot of like growth that I made yeah you know so when uh when um just to say when I was trying to find a therapist to finally finally process all the trauma that I had gone through in my life I said the same thing you said. I was like, listen, it's gotta be a black woman. I don't, I don't, that's the only people I know how to talk to. Lost one therapist, then try to find another. Then I try to try a black man. Then I try to, 
And crazy thing is, I'm just saying this for anybody that uh, is looking for a therapist and keeps hopping around, can't find what you're looking for. I ended up finding the therapist that I've been with for the last three years. He is a gay white man. Mm. It has been the dopest thing for me mm. ever, ever. Mm. And, I, and I would not have ever selected that for myself. It had to be selected for me. Like I had to run into him or be put in a, in a position where I had to be talking to him and then we started doing some uh some uh some one-on-one therapy type stuff because i was in group mm. for a minute so i'm just saying that to encourage anybody that you just never know you know where you're gonna find your healing at um mm. one thing i'm thinking about before we wrap it up is that that time period man you had a lot going on and i'm sitting here thinking about it because i went to your wedding uh you were getting married and i remember uh at your wedding t- talking about you know losing your mom um and then and then shortly after the wedding you lose your son Mm -hmm. and now you are in a whole nother state Mm -hmm. uh no husband Mm -hmm. so it was just like that's a lot that's a lot so all of this Mm -hmm. is happening at once is it all happening at once or is it all happening like in four different lanes for you like i mean all at once all at once (laughs) yeah what does that look like man that's a lot man it looks because i mean you you and that really sounds like you know because your kids are your kids but it really just feel it sounds to me if i start looking in like man you was holding this on your back by yourself still am yeah (laughs) i mean still am so since the beginning of things that have happened to you the beginning of your traumas you've always shown an incredible amount of strength and uh it 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 can look normal to people you know and i just wanted to basically put a spotlight on you for a second to say yeah she makes it look normal because if somebody was to follow you on the gram like you are living you don't get me wrong and ain't nothing wrong with that but it's not normal i mean it's not easy it's not light you know you living but you know you know, you got, you lifting this stuff, but they're not seeing that couple of days you spend in the gym lifting them weights just to lift this problem over here. You know what I mean? So I appreciate you, uh, you mm-hmm. know, sh- shedding it. Cause I mean, that's, this, this, what we talking about is it's not easy and it ain't like, so how you feel? You all right? Yeah. I'm just, I just, I'm sitting here thinking about it. Like, you know, all the things like, and I know I'm stronger because in the past, I would have been sobbing. Yeah. You know, in this not moment, that I you don't... mean? Huh? You mean in this moment talking about it? Yeah, like I would have been sobbing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel it, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, it's I also, like, feel like even though I don't maybe, like, quote you a whole Bible scripture, like my faith and how I feel about God, I know has also been why I'm still standing and still able to, you know, because I also know that he has done so many great things as well. Like it might be a lot of trauma and turmoil, but at the same time, I feel like sometimes God gets your attention. You find the strength to move on like you've done your entire life. Yeah. uh, I I guess the last thing I'm going to ask is, um, somebody out there dealing with any of this bad husband narcissist losing a child you know moving losing your therapist um and struggling with healing but you know still trying to do the work what would you say to anyone out there or even also going back to you know one of those uh, one of those mothers who was out there just blaming herself or not giving herself grace for uh the lifestyle that her you know her children came up in and all of that what would you say to if you could say anything and leave them with something i guess like to me it's like man because i feel like life you're gonna go through what you're gonna go through like no matter what somebody tries to tell you like i i can't say nobody ever tried to save me from some of the choices i was making you know mm-hmm. But the beauty of it in this current day and age is that we're in a different level of awareness, if you choose to be, Mm -hmm. um, that you can really take the time to work on yourself. 
you know, it's a daily, sometimes it helps. For me, sometimes it's minute by minute because I want to roll this neck quick, you know, and snap. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. listen, you know, like, I, I go there with you, but at the same time, like, now that I've learned and grown so much, it's like, I know I, for the most part, have control of a lot of different things and choices. Mm -hmm. And when I started to learn that and break down just like, you know, choice, your, your baseline choices, like you yeah. can decide to do the work on yourself. If you are, if you're headed down the wrong path or a place that you don't want to be, you have a choice to correct it, you know, but if you want to be in the same spot and just, you know, gerbil, you know, be a little gerbil in the wheel, you can. But I just feel like for myself, I just want to evolve and grow and be better. Like whatever that is, it doesn't necessarily mean in a monetary form. The, the most monetary form or reward I can receive is just inner peace. Right. And that's all I strive for in the energy. You like, go. you know, I pray for that daily. Like I cannot deal with a person that changes that for me. Right. And I don't care what the instance is. Right. You know, and just work, you just have to work on yourself, really. And don't be afraid to like, you know, go through. You can you cannot, you will, you can keep trying to go around, but it's 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 not gonna work. Well, there you go. It is peace, uh purpose, you know, uh making sure you got good energy around you, um, and strength. I mean, this is strong black woman personified right here. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm very proud of you. I mean, I've always been proud of you, but today I learned even more. I thought I was, you know, swimming in trauma. And, 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 and I think about some of the ways I handle myself and the behaviors that come out of some of, the, some of these things that happen to you. And uh, like, you just, you just keep standing up and, uh, and, and, and you look good doing it. So well, I appreciate it. And you as well. It's, you know, I have to commend you just so I can, you know, beep your horn too. Like I commend you being able to get the help and, and know that there's something that you want to change because the biggest problem. And I think the reason why I stayed in the situation I was in is because, you know, I thought we could change together, but when you realize you know you're you're not getting that like you took the time to say you know I don't want to stay the way you know the way I am there's a yeah. problem with where I am yeah you yeah. know and I and I commend you being a black man because some won't even face it I feel yeah. like we're doing a lot better now for the ones that um are willing to get the help or at least say like I do I do want to talk to somebody because you hear even the richest the rappers all of them they're all starting to really open up yeah. about trauma and wanting to heal and do better you know that's the right. first step right it's the that's ones that right. don't think they have a problem is the ones that i don't want to be around right still thinking that's <laughs> thing, still thinking that stuff is cool but i'll be trying that's what i'm trying to sell for the young man. for the young black man and, and even the, the the black men of my age are older you know uh man vulnerability we 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 were lied to man we yeah. were lied to vulnerability we were told that was, was a weakness yeah and it's not a weakness, man. You gotta mm -hmm. have, you gotta mix it in with some confidence and all of that. Man. But uh, but man, vulnerability, man. We gotta be able to talk about what's bothering us instead of, you know, throwing it out there and 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 unhealthy behaviors. You gotta say, brother, this is this is bothering me. When you do this, I feel this way. You know, and I don't care who you are. You be the biggest super thug in the world. Something hurt your feelings, and you crying about that somewhere. Uh, when you run and you know hide underneath the bed crying, you could probably deal with it a little better. You come out from under that bed <laughs> and you super thug, you finna just go shoot somebody. <laughs> that's not that's not you probably could have talked to somebody and you know saved the life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, so I, I appreciate you saying that. That's the purpose. Black of man because, boy, that's the purpose bro. of what we that's the purpose, kind of the purpose of this podcast. It's called vulnerability is the new sexy. And uh mm. I'm, trying, I'm trying to make sure that um you know I agree. What I tell you, there it is. I hope that you gain what I gain out of this episode. I hope you understand the, that, that there is a path to healing, and we don't we don't want to compare anybody's problems. 
because everybody is different. And this is the purpose of this podcast is to say, look, everybody has come from a different perspective. And my friend Kiana, I mean, I could take the things that I cut out of this episode and make two more episodes. That's so many things that she has endured. And you, and she shared with me after this episode that this is the first time that she was able to communicate about these things and not, you know, uh, bust out crying or have a, a, a rage of emotion. So that's an example to me that healing is possible. Healing is possible. And I hope that Kiana or any one of these episodes have inspired you to go seek the healing that you need because it's out there for you. You just have to do the work. You just have to do the work. You just have to decide that you don't want to feel the way that you feel anymore. And go do the work. It's possible. So uh, this has been another episode of Vulnerabilities and New Sexy. I'm Joe Corley, and I will thank you very much for listening.